0: Hello and welcome to the LCU Coaches Show presented by the SHAP Radio Sports Network and the LCU Podcast. You're listening live on 99.1 SHAP Radio, KLCT LP Lubbock, Texas, and of course listening on demand on the LCU Podcast. I'm Brendan Riker, Nathan Carcino will join us in just a little bit. To kick off our night though, we are joined by LCU Head Men's Basketball Coach, Todd Duncan. Coach, how are you today?
1: I'm good, Brendan. thank you.
0: Coach, let's get right into it. The Shaps are down to four games left in the regular season before the Lone Star Conference Tournament. Uh, What has this journey been like with this particular team uh, this season and just being around this group of guys?
1: Yeah, it's been very enjoyable. Uh, The season has a lot of highs and lows, a lot of long days, short nights. um, But that's kind of what you sign up for, and going on a journey like that with people you enjoy being around is is paramount to, to having a successful season, I think, in terms of not just on the floor wins and losses, but just uh, just the camaraderie, the relationships, you know, all that goes into being a part of a team.
0: When you look at the guys who, you know, returned from last season, and of course, it played throughout that season, but when you talk about Najee Muhammad, Aaron Gonzalez, Kurt Wegschreiter, Kendall Dow, Fletcher McDonald, all those guys, uh, what have you seen in their growth from last season to this season as, as being prominent players on the court for the LCU?
1: Well, I think those guys, anytime you've been in some battles, you get a feel for what it really takes to win, not just uh, on game days, but the preparation that goes into it before, getting your extra reps in, uh, taking care of your body. Uh, you just learn how to manage the situations better, your time management, your uh just how you organize your day and uh you just become a lot more intelligent to some of the smaller things that maybe you're in a scouting report or you're familiar more with the team that we're playing or other players in the league so i just think you're just getting more information put into the computer so when a decision has to get made in the heat of the moment hopefully you're making a better one and uh that's really what all experience uh can teach us is just how to be better when we see those same situations, you know, again in our future. And uh, all those guys have have been great to to grow in this process. With just one win within the next
0: four, the Shaps will surpass their conference win total from last season. Last year, Shaps went 14 and eight in Lone Star Conference play this season so far, 14 and four in Lone Star play. How important is it to be in this league and to have guys who have already been battle tested and have already had the experience, you know, from playing last year, last year in in this league.
1: Well, you just you just said it like um, maybe it's showing up in the win column, but I mean the margin's so small that I think you can't take anything for granted. You still have to focus on what's in front of you right now, which is a uh, good practice, uh, good prep for the games, and. Uh, Not get caught up in what we've necessarily done. Let's learn from it. Let's grow from it. But there's no residual carryover um, other than just some of that experience that we talked about. So I just think having a mature group that's focused on, you know, where we want to end up at the end of the season, but also understand like uh, that's a destination and we're not there yet. So we've got to stay locked in on, you know, what's in front of us. So. Uh, you just try to reiterate that to the group, your leadership, really the whole team. Uh, you're always um, just trying to get better each day. We kind of make that our theme. Let's How can we grow? We evaluate at the end of the day. Did we get better today? Um, you just don't want to lose ground. And uh, that's, you know, that's probably in a nutshell what every person in any endeavor just, you know, when they show up and go to work or show up and go to class or whatever it is they're doing, you know, you hope that, You've left it better than you found it that day, and that's just kind of what we try to preach, you know. Every time we're out there,
0: taking a look at last week for LCU, the Chaps hosted Western New Mexico on Thursday and Eastern New Mexico on Saturday for homecoming weekend. Thursday's game was a 88 to 53 win over the Mustangs after a somewhat slow start there in that first half. Uh, what halftime adjustments did y'all make uh, going into that second half?
1: Well, we were just more intentional about trying to get the ball into the paint, uh, either through a post up, a drive, a cut, etc. Uh, I thought we were a little um, hurried up or less patient on offense, um, which we think affects you know everything defensively, your rotation, your transition, and at the same time, you know, uh, Western, despite having a, a record that's not great, is, has been competitive in all their games. So we weren't expecting them to come in here and. Uh, it not be a battle so you know it was a battle and they had our full attention and uh, fortunately we just did a much better job in the second half of executing and guys made some plays and we were able to get stops in the meantime and kind of build upon our lead. You
0: mentioned getting more pain touches one big emphasis in this game was the Shaps out rebounded western New Mexico and by a rather large margin, forty-eight to thirty. Um, how big was it to see the Shaps dominate the glass in this one?
1: Well, anytime you see a rebounding margin, you look at why. And one of it is we were highly efficient offensively, so there weren't a lot of rebounds for them to get defensively. Because I think we scored most of our first few possessions, um, unless there was a turnover or something. And then um, defensively, we we're getting stopped, so therefore we're forcing missed shots and. So rebounding is a huge thing. You know, There's, it can be skewed sometimes, but uh, it's important. You're trying to get more possessions than your opponent, either getting offensive rebounds, not turning it over, uh, et cetera. So uh, it's a huge part of the game, and I think if we can limit them to one shot or none, we say one or none, then, uh, you know, that bodes well for us.
0: Four players had double figures in scoring between Tyrus Morton, who also had a double double with 14 rebounds, uh, Najib Muhammad, Aaron Gonzalez, and Ethan Duncan. We've seen a lot of a lot of this this season where you have three or more guys finishing double figures uh, at at the end of a, at, at the end of a game. What were these guys doing so well on the offensive front to get the looks that they were getting?
1: Just sharing the ball, moving with a purpose, getting the ball to the paint, as we mentioned. Um, not settling, you know, not necessarily taking what we could, what they would give us, but let's getting what we want. And uh, we just kind of rode, rode them a little longer, uh, played through a couple of media timeouts with the same group just because uh, they were showing some real good consistency on both ends of the floor. So I think that helped us kind of sustain and build the lead. Um, but yeah, it's it's simple in a sense that just go down let's get the best shot we can and we've got capable guys and I think if they're the balls being moved and they're getting them in the right spots then you know these are shots that you know our guys are are capable of hitting and and then that just leads to more energy on defense and it's uh you know it it complements each other I guess what you're doing on offense and defense.
0: Looking at Saturday's game, the outcome was not in the Shaps favor as LCU fell to Eastern New Mexico 88 to 84. LCU entered halftime with a 47 to 35 deficit. Eastern New, Eastern New Mexico shot 68% from the field in the first half. What did the Greyhounds do to get off to a hot start in, in that game? Or what did the Shaps not do that ended up leading to that hot start?
1: Well, I think it's a little combination of both. One is they did a good job of getting the ball inside, and uh, we had a couple of breakdowns, led to some easy buckets, and then they had some guys just make some incredible one-on-one shots. Where you know we we played what would be considered good defense. Uh, just they made they were better offensively and and hit some tough shots. So we really couldn't uh, do much to to keep them from getting those shots. So when we uh, you know, tried to pressure them out a little more, make their catches a little harder, and just like I said from the last game, you know, when you're not getting stops on D, you go down on offense. You're maybe a little rushed, and uh, just compounds, and and then both sides of the ball are affected, and uh, consequently, Eastern was playing really good D. They're they're a long, athletic, power five-looking teams. The kid inside seven three, they've got six 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 seven across the board on on their forwards, and their guards are or bigger. So, you know, we weren't getting a lot of those second looks. If we didn't if we didn't get a good shot, it was one or none for us. And uh, made a few adjustments second half, but, you know, we knew we had a run in us. We we're just trying to keep them from, you know, extending it too far. So when we did make our run, we didn't have too big of a hill to climb. And, you know, even at the end, we had a couple of looks for uh, to take the lead, um, you know, within a minute of the game. So, wasn't thrilled with a lot that went on into that game. I thought, you know, we gave an honest effort. We were we were prepared. Uh, it just was a game where we could never get a flow and find our rhythm.
0: Talking with head coach of the LCU men's basketball team, Todd Duncan, here on the LCU Coaches Show. I think a lot of people might a lot of people on the outside might not just realize just how improved this team. In Eastern New Mexico is. I mean, we saw them in Portales, and now just saw them in Lubbock. They are a fantastic team, and when when you talk about this Eastern New Mexico team, what what makes them so much improved from last season?
1: Well, I mean they've they were good last year too. Um, just uh, you know, made it very difficult on. The opponents, just with their length and their size, um, they're well coached. They do a good job switching, so you really, uh, they have length across the board, size. They have experience. They're an older team, even though they they do play a couple of young post players. Um, they've got experience at some of those um, positions that we mentioned earlier. And uh, they're simple in what they do, but they're very effective at it. And, and they're, they're tough shot takers and they're tough shot makers. They just had answers every time that we would go on a run or need to get a stop, they just seem to have an answer. We end up shifting to zone late in the second half just to try to give them a different look, just see if we could gain some momentum that way. Uh, It was good for us for a little bit, and then they made a couple of nice plays uh, that we kind of had scouted out, but we didn't do a very good job defending it. And then, you know, we missed nine free throws. It's just a game where – You know, we just every time we'd have a chance, we just wouldn't hit an open shot or miss a free throw or not quite secure rebound. And they'd kick it and reverse it and hit a three. It was just one of those games where we were just always battling, trying to trying to find our chance to to get our footing. And at the end, uh, you know, we had the looks. We just uh, couldn't couldn't get it done.
0: Even though you ultimately fall in this one, what can you say about the fight and determination of this team?
1: Yeah, I don't think I would ever question. I would be shocked if our guys didn't compete and didn't play to the finish. Uh, that's just kind of who we are. We're never going to, you know, not finish a game, at least effort or, you know, at least uh, from my standpoint, like that's, that's just number one non-negotiable. You're going to be out there, you compete, and you're playing as hard as you can. And uh, you may not be playing your best, but you can play your hardest. Um, that's something that's within your control, your effort. Um, so, yeah, I'm pleased with that. I'm I'm pleased that we kept ourselves close enough that we had a chance, you know, disappointed that, you know, a game like that, which is, ends up being four points we foul late. but really we had the ball down two and a shot to win. Uh, then you look at the nine turnovers, you look at the missed layups, you looked at missed opportunities on blockouts, and it's real easy to find a bucket here or there that would have changed the outcome of the game. So that's what makes losses like that so difficult because – This time of year, you're just hoping that a game like that, you'd be seasoned enough to find a way to win. We got in foul trouble early. Tyrus had to sit. Kerr was in foul trouble. Both those guys were playing well, but um, we just find ourselves always just trying to manage, you know, a situation like foul trouble or something like that.
0: Two players that, just looking at the box score, impressed me throughout the weekend were Najee Muhammad and Aaron Gonzalez. Both finished both games in double figures. I um, believe Aaron was fairly efficient in both games against Western and Eastern. How big was it to see those guys continue to be consistent weekend and week out for this team?
1: Yeah, we got to have it. Um, that's the number one key to me is is you can, a lot of players can be good once every now and then, but can you do it night in and night out? That's really how you define you know, good to great or whatever. So, and and as a team. So when you know those guys are playing big minutes, Najib has the ball in his hands all the time. Aaron is just kind of a guy that um, does it all. Really, we ask him. You know, he knocks down shots. He's a great cutter. Has a high motor on our offense. Defensively, sometimes he's guarding a smaller guy. Sometimes he's guarding a bigger guy. Uh, you know, he's just kind of a a guy who can do it all for us, and uh, just. You know, really uh, epitomizes you know what we want an LCU basketball player to look like. So we just need those guys to continue to to grow, get a little bit better, and uh, have some other guys step up and help them as well. Up
0: next for the LCU men's basketball team, it's the battle against the Saints. LCU will play Saint Edwards on Thursday. That'll be on the road in Austin, and then Saturday they'll play the Saint Mary's Rattlers in San Antonio, again on Saturday. When someone says the phrase, Andre Cook led St. Edwards basketball, what immediately comes to your mind?
1: Well, Coach Cook is going to have them very prepared. They're going to execute at a very high level. Um, They're going to shoot it very well. And uh, they're going to have a plan for how to defend you. So um, basically just very well coached. They have a talented, experienced group that is uh, fighting right now just like we all are to, to get into the conference tournament, to hopefully have a chance at the regional tournament. And so uh, these games matter. They're big. They're important. Um, there's only a few teams in our league right now that maybe aren't playing for something. You know, I've never understood that statement, but in terms of like maybe they're mathematically eliminated. But hopefully, uh, you know, we can just go down there and have a good performance. They're a team that we always – have close battles with, and uh, playing there will be difficult. So we have to be up to the task and understand, uh, you know, let's let's learn quickly from this weekend. Let's understand that these games are are difficult, as you've observed all season long, and uh, the margin's small. So the team that prepares the best, that's the most focused, that comes in there um, ready and willing to execute and do whatever it's going to take to get a win is probably the team that will do that.
0: The Hilltoppers boast a 18-9 overall record, 11-7 and in LSE play, and they return a large bulk of guys that we saw last season, including Sean Elkington. Uh, what are the Shaps going to have to do to slow down guys like Elkington?
1: Well, he's a dual threat in terms he can go inside and post up. He can you know, pick and pop or play on the perimeter and knock down threes. He's he's just highly efficient in both ways. He's a good screener, a good roller, a good uh, passer. Um, just can play multiple positions on the floor. So he's a matchup challenge for most teams, including us. And we just have to make his catches hard, not give him any angles to where he's getting easy baskets in the paint, make sure we're tying up his hands best we can on the perimeter to make his his threes contested. And, uh, you know, it's it's not just him. They're going to have five guys on the floor at any time that can all shoot. So, um He's just, uh, you know, he's definitely one of their main threats and and a great player, um, but their whole team is is capable and and anybody they put on the floor is is somebody you got to account for. What do you want to see offensively from the Shaps
0: in this game on Thursday?
1: Well, I just think it starts great execution. Whatever it is, we're running our motion, we're running action, we're in transition, just getting our shot. Um, Good offensive board coverage, not settling. You go on the road in a big game, you got to get the shot you want. You got to be willing to be patient enough to get it. You got to execute, you got to move. They do a good job defensively with their links, switching out, making it tough to get those looks. Um, they're good at swiping at the ball. Um, they are got good length, so they're not giving up a ton of offensive rebounds. So, you just can't afford to have wasted possessions. They may not be turnovers in a sense. You didn't get a shot, but if you take a bad shot, it's effectively what you've done, and now you've got them in transition. So getting a good shot every time down the floor, limiting our turnovers, and, and therefore giving us a chance to set up our defense.
0: Coach, before we go, is there anything else that you would like to share with Chap uh, Nation?
1: No, I just uh, hope as we finish out the year, we've got one home game left. Uh, WT next Thursday. Hopefully, we'll have a great crowd for that. Obviously, they're a, you know they're top ranked in the country right now, so that'll be a great test. And uh, appreciate just everything that everyone's done to make this season enjoyable. From the cheerleaders, the band, the in-game promotions, the student life people. Um, it's the students have been great. That baseline has been tremendous we're very grateful for that our players love that so um you know I, those people uh i hope they all know that how grateful we all for that appreciate you guys and uh we're going to do our best to finish strong and uh represent lcul well coach thank you so much for your time and good luck this week yeah appreciate it brendan
0: That was head men's basketball coach Todd Duncan of the LCU men's basketball team. Again, the Shaps are on the road this week to play St. Edward's Thursday in Austin at 7.30 p.m. and St. Mary's Saturday in San Antonio at 3 p.m. We'll be back with more as coming up, it's Steve Gomez, then Nathan Blackwood on the LCU Coaches Show. You're listening to 99.1 Shap Radio.
2: We're back on the LCU Coaches Show, brought to you by the SHAP Radio Sports Network and the LCU Podcast. I'm Nathan Carcino, alongside Brendan Riker, and we are joined by the Lady SHAP head basketball coach, Steve Gomez. Coach, how are you today?
3: Doing good. Ready for another road trip in the morning and great time of year. A lot of, a lot of things going
2: on, spring sports, you know, softball today, baseball's weekend, so good time of year. Absolutely. Well, we'll start talking about last week at uh, the Senior Saturday Festivities at the Rip Griffin Center. The team honored four of the graduates from the program, those being Macy Maddox, Audrey Robertson, Shaylee Stovall, and the student trainer, Kara Pascal. What does these individuals, what do they have brought to the culture of this program?
3: You know, they're a continuation of a great legacy of good leaders, great students, tremendous people, you know, and girls that have really contributed a lot on the court over the years, and so, you know, with Shaley being the one of those three players who is going to graduate and move on, you know, we'll miss her uh, next year. She brings so much passion and defensive intensity to us. And then Macy and Audrey, you know, their senior year, they wanted to go out on senior day with Shaley. They didn't want her to do it alone. They will be coming back to play again next year. So, you know, really those three have been tremendous on the perimeter, defensively, offensively, but just culture-wise, you know, on campus, in the community, uh, it's just hard to replace those type of kids, and so every year we're looking for tremendous people to come in. And so I appreciate their years, and again, having two back next year will be helpful. And Kara is one of those unsung heroes. I, I don't people don't understand what all she does, but if she wasn't there, it would be a disaster. You know, you have those student helpers that behind the scenes are just constantly serving, helping, uh, finding out what coaches need, what players need. So just a tremendous young lady. She'll do do great in physical therapy school, really good student, but just a calm presence for us in in the locker room, you know, in practice and on
2: bus trips and uh, just everywhere we go. She's been vital. Macy, Audrey, and Shaley, those the last remaining members of the 2021 National Championship team from a few years ago when they were true freshmen. So with the postseason coming around, conference tournament in just a few weeks, how much are you going to be able to lean on them and those experiences and leadership coming forward? Yeah, we've talked about that a, a bit just with uh, you know that championship
3: DNA. They've seen the game played at the highest level. They've been there right in the heat of it. We even talked yesterday afternoon in the locker room with the whole team about what what's ahead, the four regular season games, postseason, what that looks like. And so those players that have been there, both seeing it and participating in it, they really need to continue to communicate with their teammates, let them know what's expected, and themselves produce. This is the time of the year that you know the best players need to play their best. And so that experience should come into play. I think that would give confidence – but it shouldn't necessarily bring any complacency because we still have to get it done.
2: Yeah, looking at last week, that is certainly what the Lady Shaps did as it was homecoming at LCU and the Lady Shaps chipped in with two wins against Western and Eastern New Mexico. Thursday, it was a 59-45 win over the Mustangs and then Saturday, a 66-45 to win over the Greyhounds. What stood out most to you from these two contests? Yeah, I just think the... The danger of every game in this
3: conference, you know, those are two teams that may, their records may not be great, but they have, they've won games at home, they've won on the road, they've been to the last second with the top teams in the conference, and so we just, I saw, really saw a good, mature weekend for us. We needed to play well, we defended well. I mean, to hold two teams in the forties in college basketball is not common. I mean, most of the time with the shot clock and with talent out there on every team. That, that was helpful for us because we haven't been shooting the ball great. It's been, you know, for a number of weeks, we really have been getting good shots, but just not scoring as well as normal. So we have to rely on that defense. And then once the shots really start falling again, like they did for Grace on Saturday, you know, she shot it well again. Then the game gets easier when the defense is working
2: and you're making shots. But I, I, was, I was happy with our performance on the defensive end. Yeah, we. You mentioned the shooting. We did see some pretty good percentages from three point range, in particular these last two games, Thursday and Saturday. So, what level of encouragement does that give you? You mentioned playing the best at the best stage of the season. So now, when things start rolling like that, how much does that give you some optimism for the next coming games? Yeah, it's the time of year we need to start really playing well. We've had a lot of starts and stops to our year
3: with injuries, with uh, illness, with people out for different reasons, different starting lineups. And so it's sort of like, all right, this is the time of year. I think Grace showed that she's physically back with her hand. You know, Audrey's been playing really good. Macy has had a lot of physical illnesses, things that have put her under-energized at times. Uh, So it seems like it's a good time of year to everybody feels normal, healthy, and ready to go because – we have to head towards a peak now. You know, we've had a lot of roller coaster of the year. And and so it it does feel good to go into this last stretch of the
2: season feeling we're on good foundation, good footing, and our confidence level now can really go. You mentioned Grace Foster back the last two weeks after missing some time with that injury on her left hand, uh, she had 24 points on Saturday. was uh, money from all places of the floor. So could you detail a little bit of how her rec- recovery process has gotten to this point? And then uh, what does a performance like that give you as a confidence boost to how she's feeling?
3: Yeah, we've seen through the year, uh, a number of games, you know, she's carried us at times. You know, Audrey's had some big games, but when when Grace and Audrey and Macy and Shaylee are all, clicking and to get Grace back she played some games after her injury and it took a while you know a, a broken bone in her wrist playing basketball is not the easiest thing catching passing dribbling, rebounding. Uh, I, you know those first few games back she wanted so bad to play and I wanted to player. it just took a while to get back in the heat and to trust her physical instincts again. And so really we saw that on Thursday night I thought she played better but then Saturday her offensive game was sort of back to aggressive confident, uh, and making shots always makes a difference. But that just gives the team, you know, it gives the team a boost. And so uh, it's just, I appreciate her effort. And so we're going to need that through this weekend on the road again. We need to go play well on the road. We had most of the year. Our last road trip wasn't to the quality that we had played before. And so we need to make sure we finish that. So, yeah, having Grace, you know, Macy, Audrey, shady those four that are really the foundation of our team it's time for for them really to get it done.
2: Not only is Grace a great scorer, of course, and a threat to keep accounted for on the defensive end, defensive end for other teams, but since you've had her back, what does it mean to make sure you take advantage of some of the space that she opens up with as great a distributor as she is? Yeah, her passing ability over the year has just
3: continued to get better. It's always been good, but early in the year, we weren't as tight with the ball. But you're right, just people have to guard her. And so when you can space the floor out on offense – It just creates bigger driving gaps for our guards. And so that versatility of scoring inside, scoring on the three-point line, you know, she can drive it, pass it. That does, it sort of expands the court for us. And so we hope that will continue. And then uh, when we get those great shots, which we did in a lot of games, and just knocking them down. This weekend, we shot it better. Uh, So that's one of those things. You can have great offense, but if that shot doesn't go in, it doesn't make it look as good. And then some games, you may be taking some... Iffy shots and if they're going in, people think her offense is good. And so it's a crazy game. It's a make-miss game, and we need to be making them.
0: When we talk about Grace, obviously we know how impactful she is. We we can talk about it a lot and constantly for a long time. But in the moments when she's not on the court, and we saw that with the injury, or she's out there, but maybe not feeling a hundred percent. How has the team grown in their game without grace.
3: Yeah, I think in some ways it it really, I thought, could be and was a positive in those games she wasn't even able to play because her voice on the bench was still strong. She still had a good verbal presence. But other people feel like, man, I've got to do a little more. I've got to do a little more. And so uh, to me, that was a positive of her being out, of just people not really relying on her to score. Sometimes we'll just, I just throw it to her and let her score or get fouled. And so for other people to take a little more responsibility and that has been good, that'll just pay off because some teams are going to just totally lock her down and try not to let her have any touches of the ball. Which again, that just removes a defender out of the way. So that gives more space for the other four to play. Uh, so yeah, her the attention she gets should always pay off for us. We just need to make sure we make it pay off for us.
0: Going back to the foundation of this team, some of the players... The past couple of weeks when Grace is not in or you know not at 100%, t- two players that I've really noticed step up are Macy and Audrey. And we know they have veteran leadership, but what does it mean for this team to have their leadership and consistency on the floor?
3: Yeah, uh, we've seen since the, we came back from Christmas, Audrey Robertson really has been the steadiest player. She's obviously not been out of the lineup for illness or injury, but she's just been really, really consistent and steady. You know, and Macy, we ask a lot of her, a lot of minutes. and We're putting a lot of mileage on her. But she, the last few weeks, she's sort of taken that turn to turn the key a little bit and not and ratcheted it up a notch, which has been helpful for us. I just appreciate even, you know, a Kennedy Chapel a freshman off the bench, and a Reese has, has really been playing at a better level recently. Uh, you know, Spurgeon always gives us some good physical banging minutes and uh, – You know, Deja and Taylor Thomas have given us quality minutes, and so that depth is vital because some of these kids, we can't rely on them to play 38 minutes in the hottest games, and so that
2: really, we're sort of getting a whole team aspect of it going better. Talking with Steve Gomez, head women's basketball coach for LCU, on the LCU Coaches Show. Coach, four games remaining in the regular season. LCU is eighteen and seven, and thirteen and five in conference play. The team's been pretty consistent in results wise across this course of the schedule. But what is one sequence of games that's been the most memorable for you to really impact this team's success? Yeah, you know, we've had it's just been one of those things. We've you feel like you're all right now.
3: We're about to take off, and then you know something won't go as well. You know, really a couple of the games that stick out to me are the ones that, oh, we we those were ones we should have had. You know, the UT Tyler game, the international game, that oh, just one play here or there, we're in a lot better situation. We're in a really good situation going into the, the stretch right now. And we really are, considering the, the ups and downs we've had, even with injuries and illness. Uh so really I- I'm I'm looking forward to these last four. I'm thinking my favorite stretch is going to be this ending stretch, the last two from this weekend, which were solid, and then going into these last four. So hopefully in a few weeks when we talk again, I'll say, yeah, the question you had, this was my favorite time, uh, if we can play that well. there. It's been a wonderful year. I mean, we've had some, you know, you don't win every game. I mean, some of these seasons we've had are just unrealistic. And even some of these other teams in our conference who they've had some incredibly fortunate almost I would call lucky wins, and and we may have had the same, but we've also had some losses that like, oh, we gave that. You know, I've always said, I don't mind getting beat. I just hate losing. And I feel like some of these games this year, you know, something either I've done or something that's happened that we've lost as opposed to that team just beat us. And so I told the team not long ago, I don't think I like, I don't even know how much I like winning. I just hate losing, but I don't mind getting beat. And so if a team is going to play great and we play good, that's fine. So some of the memorable ones to me are the ones, oh, we gave that away. And
2: uh, I want to get those out of my head. (laughs) Right now, the Lady Shaps sit fourth overall in the conference standings and are back for a tie in first place of the West Division. So we mentioned kind of the experience of this team and with some of the underclassmen as well contributing big minutes. What does a coaching perspective look like as we prepare for this postseason, getting them into that postseason mind and understanding that there's still some regular season games to finish as well.
3: Yeah. And that was the purpose of yesterday. We spent 20 minutes or so. And I just explained, here's where where we are here and this is where we want to get, you know, where we are going. We can really probably could, should, hopefully we'll end up third in the conference if we take care of business and just the other way team schedules line up. There's some other tough games people have that are either tied with us or ahead of us, whatever. So we want to put ourselves in a you know, top three to four teams in the conference going into the conference tournament. Because from what that then does is for the regional postseason, you know, top eight teams in the region, you know, if we finish in the top three in our conference, you're always going to be in that mix. And so the team understands we go on the road, we, we've we got to focus on winning these games, you know, just playing well enough to win. But if we play well, I think we have a tremendous chance to win these games, And so I think they understand the task ahead of us. Get ready for the postseason by playing well at the end of the year. And then once you get into those one-and-done situations, I always feel comfortable with our team. They've been through it. Uh, I think they know how to prepare for postseason play. So we just want to be there and not have any of these flub-ups, stub our toe on something like, well, I don't want Some of our girls said, we don't want to have to learn another lesson from these. We've learned enough lessons.
0: How much of an emphasis is on focusing on, hey, here's the next game, here's the next opponent, let's lock in on them, compared to trying to get ready for the postseason and hopefully set up a good postseason run?
3: Yeah, and that, if we, the maturity of our team and over the years, we always want to, every game's the most important game. I don't ever want them thinking, all right, now, or this opponent, now it's important. And a lot of times, fans, people will say, oh, this is a big weekend you know, to me, every game is a huge game. And I don't want them thinking about any more than that. You know, really in a game, you don't want them thinking about any more than, let's play defense right now for this possession. And so that concept of going 1-0 today, in practice, whether it's 1-0 in this drill, it sounds a little, you know, goofy, but at the same time, that's all we can do is take care of the present. And uh, so we want to continue to do that. It is right now, all it is in our mind is, Thursday night in Austin at St. Edward's. That's all we have, you know? And unless Jesus comes back before that, I mean, we might
2: not even have that. So who knows? But that's all we got competitively right now to worry about. So now looking forward to those games, the team will head down to the state Capitol and take on St. Edwards on Thursday, February 22nd, and then they'll play St. Mary's over in San Antonio on Saturday the 24th. So what are some things you're looking forward to and expecting from these teams on the road? Yeah, it's going to be really, in a way it's an enjoyable end of season trip because
3: I don't know that any of our current players have played in Austin Hmm. or San Antonio because of the the COVID year and then the changing of schedules. I think most of them, like we, none of them had gone to Fort Smith or Oklahoma Christian either. So, and it's an opponent we haven't played yet this year. You know, a lot of times you've played them once or twice. So it's sort of like a new opponent, a new place, which hopefully gives some pop to you as opposed to the drudgery of oh, we're doing this again. You know, good teams, again, you know, we've, these teams have taken the best teams right to the last second of the games. They've beaten some of the best teams Always on the road, you've got to stay on guard, stay alert, and uh, so you know Saint Edward, Saint Mary's, both of them are in like on the edge or out of conference tournament postseason play. You know, in a way that could make them play freer and just carefree, and which is, makes them more dangerous. Or, you know, hopefully they're maybe looking forward to finishing up and and don't have the pop they would maybe normally have. But at the same time, we've seen we you LC usually gets the best of the opponents' efforts. I mean. Teams to they just get a great thrill out of beating, having a chance to beat us. And so, uh, we want to continue to take that seriously too. No, we'll get the best, best shot.
2: Before you go, you mentioned the exciting time at LCU here. There's a lot of athletics going on this week. So, are you going to be able to catch any of the softball before you head out early? At, at a beautiful day. So, I might get some innings, sit up on the berm in the outfield and
3: catch a home run ball, maybe. But, uh, <laughs> you know, tomorrow we're leaving early in the morning, seven. So, Won't get to see that or the baseball games or you're running and, you know, I know you're doing a great job in the track team's going on. Tennis, I I got to see them play on Sunday. Uh, Yeah, lots of
2: neat things happening on campus. Absolutely. Well, thank you for your time and best of luck this week. Thank you, guys. That was head coach of LCU women's basketball, Steve Gomez. Stay tuned for more of the LCU Coaches Show on 99.1 SHAP Radio and the LCU Podcast.
0: We're back on the LCU Coaches Show, brought to you by the SHAP Radio Sports Network and the LCU Podcast. Again, you're listening to 99.1 SHAP Radio, KLCTLP, Lubbock, Texas. I'm Brendan Riker, alongside Nathan Carcino. And to wrap up the night, we are now joined by LCU Head Baseball Coach, Nathan Blackwood. Coach, how are you today?
4: I'm good. A little tired, but uh, doing pretty good
0: overall. Did you get a little bit of rest on Monday?
4: A little bit. You know, we... We got in late and then we had eight o'clock weights. So it was a pretty short night, but I got some rest last night.
0: Well, let's uh, get into it and start breaking down the previous series for the Chaparral's. LCU baseball was on the road from Friday to Sunday. They are at the University of Texas at Tyler this week or this past weekend, and they played the Patriots in a four game conference series. LCU split the series after dropping the first two. Looking at game one, LCU fell in. Unfortunately, walk-off fashion 5-4 to four after giving up an early 4-0 lead. Coach Wood led to that UT Tyler comeback capped off by that walk-off in the ninth.
4: Yeah, it, it was, a it, number number one, it was a good series overall. But, uh, you know, it started on on the first game, Friday night. Um, you know, in hindsight, uh, uh, I, I think we should have kept our, our starting pitcher, Aiden, in there one more inning and then gone to, to the bullpen. We had a plan, uh, and it... Uh, you know everything works great on on paper, and it just didn't work out perfect that night. But uh, I think if we if we extend him one more inning, we're probably in a better position to win that game. But we had to, we had to go with Caden uh, Everett back to back innings because we didn't have a lead at that point, uh, so we couldn't go to Abel, and so it was just a you know live and learn type of situation. But I was really proud of. Our pitching staff on the entire weekend, just how they competed, and even you know that night getting out of some big jams. Uh, all three of the the relief guys that we went to did a did a really good job of getting out of some jams and keeping us in the game. But uh, should have won that game, but certainly. Uh, proud of a split overall on the road against those guys
0: we'll get into some of those relief performances here in a bit but transitioning into game two which was played on saturday that kicked off the first half of the double header of the four-game series uh, shea bowen hit a two-run homer in the second and then the shaps allowed a three three-run fourth inning and that ended in a 3-2 victory for the Patriots. Coach, this was another instance where the Chaps, you know, came out hot early from offense and couldn't uh, hold on to a lead. What was your message to the team after that game, in, in between, you know, game two and game three? You know, we
4: didn't, we didn't talk a lot between games. Uh, we've talked a lot about it, you know, the last few few series or, you know, last few games for sure. Uh, we've had a lot of trouble offensively, adding on to a lead. You know, we, we uh, that's one of our goals for for each game is to, to score first, but then also to add on, you know, each inning or at least, at, you know, several times throughout the the night to add on to a lead. And we hadn't done that in six games, you know, uh, at that point. And so um, part of that's credit to the other team's pitching staff and what they're doing when they come in, uh, when they go to the bullpen. Uh, but I think there's a little bit of a mentality issue, too, too in those situations, just kind of uh, letting off the gas and thinking you got it and just not coming through. And, and that's just hard. It's not easy to, uh, you, you know, they don't do that intentionally. But once that happens, it's really hard to recover and, and, and turn it back on. So really starting to t- talk more about that and. You know we saw that in in game four of the series where we did add on to a lead we got a lead early and then added on and and that's that's the di- that was the difference in the ball game that night so uh, we just got to continue to do that.
0: In Game Two, one performance that probably, arguably, got the pitching staff rolling as a unit altogether. Uh, starting pitcher Chris Rhodes went the full distance in Game Two, and in doubleheader games, it's so important to limit how many guys you throw out there. And he he went the full distance. Uh, he did allow six hits, three ru- three earned runs, but he did strike strike out five and tossed a total of seventy two pitches. How important was it for him to? Right through the waves in that game.
4: Yeah, that was that was huge. You know, that's one of those things that uh, we we don't win on on Sunday if he's not able to do that because we were in a situation where we, uh, you know, he gave up three runs in that one inning. Other than that, he pitched phenomenal. Uh, but we weren't going to go to our to our closer uh, to able unless we had the lead. Since we're on the road, so um, you know, even though it was you know we were behind him getting us through that complete game and still had a chance to win it in the seventh, you know, if, we'd have, if we could have taken the lead. But uh, g- keeping us close and, and saving our bullpen for, for the next game and then also for Sunday was, was a huge deal for us.
0: Game three was the turning point in the series for LCU. So immediately after game two, the Chaps took the back half of the doubleheader by a score of three to one. E.T. Tyler scored one in the bottom of the first off an error and was shut out from then on. LCU put up a three spot in the fifth inning. Carson, excuse me, Carson Ogilvie scored on an error. Jackson Edwards scored on a throwing error as well. Chris then hit a RBI triple to extend the lead. Big performance on the mound in this one. Ryan Marquard went for six innings and allowed only three hits in one run. And Colson Abel got the save in the seventh. How big was it for the Shaps to respond in this one?
4: Yeah, that that was big, you know, and especially I think that was the only game that uh, that we were chasing the lead, you know, where they they scored first and we were having to come back. Um, that's that's always important for your for your starting pitcher to to really settle down and just and just go and and put up some zeros. And Ryan Marquardt did a great job of that. Again, our our pitching. All weekend. I just I just loved the way they competed this week. And we, you know, that was just not the case the week before, I didn't think. And and they did a great job of that this week. So kept us in every game. And, you know, we got some runners on base. They they made some mistakes. We put some pressure on them. They made some mistakes and we took advantage of it. And that was that was the key
0: talking with LCU head baseball coach Nathan Blackwood here on the LCU Coaches Show. Finally, in game four against UT Tyler, that game was played this Sunday. LC won 5-4, to four, and this one was uh, unique because you had a lead and you held on to it. LCU scored five runs through the first four innings and fought to hold on to the very end. And uh, Tyler did put up a four spot in the sixth, but were shut out. After that, and Shea Bowen had another big performance in the box for the Chaparrals. Two runs batted in total in Game Four. What were your thoughts after that win?
4: Yeah, that that was again to to salvage a split out of that when we when we felt like we should have won Game One, uh, got beat Game Two, and then to come back and win three and four that that was huge for our, for our mentality and just the toughness of our guys competing. Um, but yeah, Duran Duran gave us a, a, an opportunity to stay in that game to win. We took a, an early lead, and the difference again that we hadn't been doing. We not only got a lead, but we added to that lead in, in the, I think, second, third, and maybe fourth innings. But um, you know that that was uh, it. Turned out to be the difference in the game when we gave up a four spot in the fifth or sixth inning. Uh, I think we kept Duran in maybe one pitch too long and. Uh, but he he did a great job competing, and then we went to our bullpen, and they, they shut it down for the rest of the game.
0: Yeah, after Andrew Duran, uh, it was Colson Abel, Caden Everett, and Scott Liam. Liam gets the save in this one. But both of those three, in relief, combined for no hits and no runs to finish off the Patriots. What did it mean for the relief pitching to hold strong in a series where you were fighting to get a split and you ended up getting the split again, like you said, against a very good team in UT, Tyler?
4: Yeah, that, again, our our plan all along was to be able to use uh, those three arms, especially more than once on the inning or or on the weekend. And, uh, you know, to do that, you had to split them up on, on Friday and not throw more than, you know, an inning or so each um and you know that that was the difference this week we were in position to be able to do that on sunday where last week those guys were already done we'd already used them up and and couldn't go back to them on sunday so um it it was really good to see you know this first time they had done that so that was important for us to see them do that and then do it successfully Uh, i was really proud of their effort for sure
0: some big performances on the weekend i know shea bowen was a Pretty constant for the most part through this series. Who else did you think had a good and maybe even an underrated weekend uh, in the box and then on the mound?
4: Uh, in the box, you know, Jared Gibson really came through for us. Uh, he he he's been one of our you know top RBI guys, middle of the order type guy all his entire career. But he started off really slow this year at the plate, and uh, gradually he's just gotten a little bit better and. You know, you've seen him kind of move up in the lineup. And I think game four, he was in the five hole and and just putting up really good ABs. And he's learned how to, you know, hit the ball the other way and just do some things that uh, have made him more successful. And he's, he's just the guy you want up in certain situations. And he's showing that more this past weekend.
2: Coach, this trip to Tyler's like the first extended road trip, leaving pretty early Thursday, gone all the way through Sunday. Uh, so how much did that travel toll early in the season play a little bit of a factor into the series? And then how do you imagine, how do you imagine the team to start getting more accustomed to the schedule every other week?
4: Yeah, that that's a good question. Cause they're, they're, you know, it's something we do every other weekend, but this was by far the longest trip that we've taken thus far. Uh, we'll have a, we'll have a couple of other longer ones, but uh just trying to go through that routine. We try to leave early enough on Thursday that we can get to their to their field and practice, take some ground balls, look see kind of how their lights are, and and uh, just get a look at their field, take some BP, and uh, that's really helping us kind of get accustomed to everything. And then we get get rest that night, and um, that day we uh, that weekend we had most of Friday to kind of just relax and chill at the hotel and head to the field for a night game. So. Uh, but then, yeah, coming back late Sunday night, turning around and being back in the weight room at 8 a.m., going to class, you know, by 8 or 9, depending on where the, their schedule is. Uh, this will be, the, you know, today is our first day really back on the field practice-wise. So just kind of seeing how they, how they respond to that whole toll is, is going to be important.
0: The Shaps are seven and five on the season, which all conference play. I mean, you jumped right into it with Cameron started four and zero there, one and three against Permian Basin at home uh, two two weekends ago, and then of course this two two split against UT Tyler. With this start, what what is one strength of the team that you have noticed, and what is something else that you want to see the team really work on moving forward?
4: Yeah, it's. Kind of depends on the weekend, you know. Our our first weekend we really really hit the ball. Um, second weekend we did as well, um, and neither one of those weekends did we we just didn't pitch the, the greatest. Um, but then this past weekend we pitched really good and and just didn't hit as good. So. Uh, just trying to put that together uh, at the same time would be would be huge for us. And you know that's baseball; that just happens. Sometimes you got hitters' days, and sometimes you got pitching days, and and we've certainly seen both of those. But uh, to to have a little more balance and to to you know continue to whether you're whether it's a hitting day or not to continue to try to put pressure on that pitching staff, and then. Even if it's a day where the wind is blowing out and it's a tough day to pitch, just figuring out a way to compete. Uh, doing both of those together could make us really good.
0: Up next for the Chaparrales, this weekend they are back at home for Arkansas-Fort Smith. It's going to be the final time the Chaparrales compete against the Lions and well, anything not track and field, Nathan. <laughs> but uh, the, they don't have softball, so this is sort of the last head-to-head matchup as Arkansas-Fort Smith will be leaving the Lone Star Conference after uh, this season, but talking about these Lions, what do you know about them, and what are you looking forward to in this series? Yeah,
4: they're they're really playing well right now. They're seven and one. Um, it, it's interesting because it's about the same team they had last year. They've got a couple new additions that are that are bright spots for them, but overall, it's the same team. Uh, but they've you know. You look at OC, who goes to Tyler and splits on the road opening weekend, kind of kind of like what we just did, and then they go home and Fort Smith sweeps them at their place and just absolutely boat races them. So it's it's really interesting just to try to figure out what this conference is and who's who's really good. But you know their numbers are just phenomenal. They're pitching really good. They're hitting good. So. Uh, I'm anxious to see how we compete against them this weekend. Uh, but it's a Lone Star Conference matchup, so as you know, it's anybody's contest for sure.
0: Coach, before we go, is there anything else that you would like to share with SHAP Nation?
4: No, it looks like it should be a, a pretty pretty nice weekend at, at home for us. I think we we may be the only team playing at home this weekend, so great time to come out and support the baseball program.
0: Coach, thank you so much for your time, and good luck this week. You bet. Thank you. That was LCU head baseball coach Nathan Blackwood. Again, the Shaps will be back at Hayesfield this week playing Arkansas-Fort Smith. Game one will be this Friday, February 23rd at 5 p.m. A doubleheader on Saturday, and the series finale on Sunday afternoon will finish off LCU's fourth conference series of the season. So be sure, come out to Hayesfield. Basketball's on the road uh, this week, so be sure to come out and support the uh, lcu baseball team also want to give a shout out to softball who I believe their their series has already started today but they'll be back at home tomorrow to play Midwestern state so come out to Manor Park uh Wednesday and then also come out to because some people will be listening to this you know on Thursday on the lcu podcast so for those on the podcast be sure to come out to Haysfield let's support. Our Lady Shaps and Chaperouse. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the LCU Coaches Show on the Shap Radio Sports Network and the LCU Podcast. Tune in next week here at the same time. But until then, keep it here for more great hits on 99.1 Shap Radio.